This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello and welcome back to 365 Days with MXM Tune. I'm Maya, a singer, songwriter, video maker, Oakland native, and a data nerd. I'm also a huge fan of history. I love untold stories, gross facts, hidden secrets, and anything weird, dark, and funky from the past. Each day, I'm going to share one of my favorite deep cuts with you, so let's take a look at today's stories. It's 365 with MXM Tune. New facts every day, so don't leave too soon. I'm gonna teach you stuff, no, it won't be tough. Gonna go a year till you've had enough. It's 365. On this day in 1790, the United States conducted the first census. Even though we all think of 1776 as the year that the United States came into being, it wasn't until 1788 that the Constitution was ratified after New Hampshire became the ninth of the 13 states to approve it. Before that, the new country was governed by the Articles of Confederation, a precursor to the Constitution that created a form of government for the new country. By 1789, George Washington was inaugurated as the first president of the United States. Why conduct a census anyway? A census tells us how many people live in what areas. For purposes of the census, it helped the new country figure out how many government representatives to delegate to each state and how to tax the states accordingly. This new constitution dictated that each state had two senators, but the number of seats in the House of Representatives was determined by population size. Also, the number of votes in the Electoral College is dependent on population size. That's why, to this day, a state like California represents 55 electoral votes, while North Dakota counts for three. Even with present-day technology, conducting the census is a huge undertaking for the U.S. government. It's mandatory to participate in the census, but no one has been fined for not participating since 1970. The penalty would be $100 for failing to fill out the census, and $500 for giving false answers. Usually, people fill out the census online or by mail, but sometimes people go door-to-door to survey harder-to-reach populations, like the elderly. But in 1790, without internet, high-speed travel, or even telephones, conducting the census was a huge feat. Even machines weren't introduced to help with counting until 1890. For the first nine surveys, conducted between 1790 and 1840, the U.S. Marshals in each judicial district appointed assistants to do the actual surveying. Usually, these would be people from specific villages and neighborhoods who were all well-connected in their community. But beyond technological limitations, the census was conducted in a biased, inconsistent way. For instance, racial classification was done by the surveyor rather than the individual, which erased mixed-race populations. Plus, even the categories that the census organized people into are horrifying to look back upon. The census counted free white men over 16, free white men under 16, free white women, and other free people, and slaves. This also begs the question of where Native Americans figured into all of this. All in all, the census counted just under 4 million people living in the United States in 1790. That's about the size of present-day Los Angeles. But founding fathers George Washington and Thomas Jefferson thought that this was an underestimate. And it probably was. 
since it would be nearly impossible to actually count everyone with such limited technology. The most populous state was Virginia, making up 18.9% of the population, while Delaware was the least populated, with only 1.5% of the population. So when it came to individual cities, New York City and Philadelphia were the most populated, even back then. Since 1790, the census has been conducted every 10 years. Last year, 2020, marked the 24th United States Census. This time, the population clocked in at about 331 million people, marking a pretty stark increase from 4 million in 1790. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, let's talk about music. Today, in 1962, Robert Zimmerman legally changed his name to Bob Dylan. He went on to become one of the most beloved folk musicians of all time, standing up for civil rights with songs like The Times They Are, A Changin'. A few years before the name change, while he was a student at the University of Minnesota, Dylan started playing shows around the folk music scene in Dinkytown, a neighborhood in Minneapolis. Bob is often a nickname for Robert, but where did Dylan come from? Well, he took the name as an homage to the famous Welsh poet Dylan Thomas. Bob Dylan's name change seemed pretty innocent. It's normal for musicians to take on stage names like Billy Idol, Bruno Mars, Courtney Love, and David Bowie, but Bob Dylan comes from a Jewish family. His grandparents emigrated to the U.S. from the Russian Empire in 1905 after a series of pogroms, or violent attacks against Jewish people. Due to the persisting anti-Semitism in the U.S., it's especially common for Jewish performers to change their names to something less overtly Jewish. Larry King's birth name was Lawrence Zeigler, and Gene Simmons was born Chaim Witz. You can't blame people for making these choices. After all, it was their own choice. But one of the best stories behind a celebrity name change comes from Barbara Streisand. As the Broadway star became more and more popular, she was advised to change her last name but she rebelled and instead changed the spelling of her first name, Barbara. She dropped the second A in her name, remaining just Barbara Streisand. And now for today's final segment, I'll be going back into my own photo archives to see what I was up to on an August 2nd in my life. On August 2nd, 2018, I tried to play the word emo in words with friends and it wasn't accepted as a word. I haven't tried playing words with friends since then, but I would hope that they would probably change their dictionary of words to eventually include emo as a valid entry, because I could have gotten, let's see, how many points could I have gotten from that? A whopping seven points. Thanks for going back in time with me, and remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can come back tomorrow for more stories from the past. It's 365 with MXM2 every day so don't leave too soon i'm gonna teach you stuff no it won't be tough gonna go a year till you've had enough it's 365